actually next weekend, and then it got changed to this weekend, so I said, well, I'm speaking the same message. So you guys are getting next weekend's message this weekend. No, wait, Steve's going to give you next weekend. But there were so many things in there. I found the scripture, and I thought, this is what I'm going to read. I put it in the bulletin way early, and I said, this is where we're going. And as I read it, I kept thinking, oh, wait, this verse is a sermon all to itself. So how do I do that? Wait, this verse is also another sermon. So I started just packing all these things in, and I had to unpack a whole bunch of stuff to make it fit. So um, if, if I go two hours this morning, I really apologize. It won't be that long. <clears throat> I'm kidding. But hey, it's, it's almost the new year. I'm excited for, we always get excited about the new year. Um, I, I want to ask you all a question. I'm going to share mine with you, but I want to ask you all a question as well. What are, what are some of the, the New Year's resolutions that you've, you've made before? And, uh, and I want to ask you this, whether you've succeeded or whether you've not succeeded to make it, um, I, I chose, uh, the one that I'm going to tell you about anyway, is one that um, I did several years ago, maybe 15 years ago, and I told myself, I, because uh, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions really, and I, and I kind of thought, well, I never really keep them, but, but this one I kept, this one was good. I, it, was, it was when I had um, a, a mentor in my life to help me through this process, and, and uh, anyway, I, I told myself I was going to work out, or I, I said, hey, I'm going to work out, all, I'm going to be consistent on working out all year. And, and I met that goal. I did a full year of working out plus a little bit, but then it kind of faded, um, and, uh, and so I don't, I don't do it, I don't work out, like I don't go to the gym. I hear people talk about it all the time, and I think, how do they, where do they find time to go to the gym? And uh, so I try and play basketball, and, and, you know, my kids run me around the house and outside, and, and then the students, we, we play things. So don't think that I don't get any exercise, because I get a little. But I want to ask some of you, whether you've succeeded or not, what are some of the New Year's resolutions that you've, uh, you've put into practice or tried to, to produce? Any any. New Year's resolutions out there that you've done? Lose weight, okay. Being careful of what you eat, okay, yeah. Watching what you eat, diet things, yeah. Gave up soda completely, all right. Is it still going on? Wow. (laughs) This is Brandon, and he gave up, oh, no. Um, Yeah. (laughs) What else, Anything? So, um, whether or not we've kept them, some things we've kept, some things we haven't, uh, I, I want to give you some of the top ten that happen in, in the United States. I looked on the internet and I found a, a poll that was taken that talked about um, the, the, basically the top ten things, and this is this year's poll, so it wasn't, it's not like over thousands of years or anything, uh, they wouldn't have that information. Uh, the internet might, though. <clears throat> so the number one was spend more time with family and friends. That's a great one. I love that one. And, uh, and, and I hope that I would do that regardless of whether I make a resolution to do that or not. Um, another one was exercise more. Next one. Um, tame the bulge was, I, I think they're kind of in the same one. Tame the bulge. I'm assuming I know what they mean, but uh, anyway, the spare tire, I, I don't know for sure. But <clears throat> quit smoking was another one. Enjoy life more. I, that's my favorite one on the list. I just think, we, we, uh, for me, I feel like I miss smelling the roses sometimes. I miss just slowing down and, uh, and, and seeing, you know, Christmas morning this, this year for me was, I, I took out the camera and I just videoed and, and it felt like I was able to go slow and just enjoy and watch my kids um, have fun with their stockings and these things. So 
Enjoying life more was, was one that really hit me. Um, quit drinking was another one. Get out of debt. Maybe not in our economy right now, but it's something that people are really thinking about. Um, learn something new. That's another one that I really like. You know, whether you take a class or whatever you do to get there, learn something new. Help others. Contribute to charitable organizations. Be a part of, um, be a part of your church more. Those are, that, that one's there. Um, and then the tenth one um, on the top ten list was was to get organized. Um, whatever, whatever it is that you are thinking about doing or maybe not thinking about doing, but all of these in the top 10 list, there's something that's, that's changing in us. There's something that we want to see change um, in ourselves. My message title, What Are You New? Uh, we used to say that to, um, to each other when we were in high school, and it wasn't it wasn't a positive thing. But my spin on it today is positive, and I want to ask you, um, are you a new creation in Christ? And that's the scripture that Scott read uh, just a little bit ago. Um, are you a new creation? We've, we've heard people say, we've all heard people say, I think anyway, that it made me feel like a new man or I, I feel like a new woman from something that's happened in, our, in their life. Why? Most of the time, it's a change has taken place in their life. They've accomplished a goal um, or they've learned a lesson you know, something has changed in their life, though. And so here's my question. We talk in here, in verse 17 of chapter 5, I'm going to ask you um, if you might open your Bibles, because I know that the Scripture is probably able to be back here, but I'm going to f- go to a couple of different places. And I got accused a while ago of cheating on the Bible, in the Bible. And that was because on my cell phone... I have, uh, I don't have my cell phone with me because I, I try to get rid of it when I come up here, but um, on my cell phone I have an, a, an app that uh, is the Bible, and, and so I've been using this Bible app a lot, and I, I was in service, or in our youth group the other night, <clears throat> and I pulled out and I said, I want to read you some, some scripture to you, and one of the kids <laughs> basically said, boo! He, no, he didn't quite go that bad, but he said, you're cheating, Greg, that's totally cheating. And I was like, what do you mean? I got the word right here, but it does all the searches for me, and it does all that, it's, it's just really cool. And so, <clears throat> I don't want you to feel cheated, nor that I'm cheating, so I'm going to have you open the Bibles, and, uh, and we're going to get in there. So if you would um, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 17 just one for just one moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's probably a familiar scripture to a lot of us, or, or maybe even most of us. But how, the question is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, he is a new creation. I guess it answers it right there, but I want to ask it a little bit deeper. How do we become a new creation? God makes the change in us. God makes that amazing change in us. If you look, keep your, have your Bibles open still. Keep your finger in uh, where you're at with, with that verse. And I want you to flip back a little farther to 13, 2 Corinthians 13. And we're going to look at verse 5. <clears throat> Another one of my favorites. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. 
Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. That goes on to say some other things in there, but the point is, Christ is in you. At some time in our life, if you're a Christian, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has come into your life, has come into your heart. I want you to think back on that moment for just a second. When Christ came into your heart, what was it like for you? For some of us, it was a a dramatic experience. We had a dramatic transformation where things completely ended. We severed ties with certain things and, and we moved to a whole... I mean, it was huge. It was just this gigantic thing for us. For some of us, it wasn't that dramatic. Some of us can't even remember a time without him. I don't know which side of that you're on, or maybe your, your, your um, experience was completely different than either one of those. <clears throat> but for me, I want to I share just a little bit about where I was with that. It was a little of both. I had been coming to church for maybe four or five years, um, maybe six years when, this, when the, my, <clears throat> my conversion experience came about. I, I kind of knew a lot of the church lingo. I knew a lot of the stuff to say um, to the pastors to, to make them think that I, you know, I had Jesus in my heart, but I had never, I had never asked him in. And um, for me, there was a bit of a dramatic experience. Somebody at a camp had suggested we go out and just be with God. And, and he didn't say, go and convert your life. He said, just go and be real with God. Tell him where you're at and ask him to show you something that you've never seen before in him. And, and I went out and I said, God, I know that you're out there because I read about you, but I've never invited you into my heart. At that moment, he told me that I need, I, I absolutely knew, he told me to invite him into his heart, and I did. And um, there was this huge explosion. No, that's not true. <clears throat> I... Uh, I, I, there was a, a slight wind that came by, and I got goosebumps. My conversion experience. Um, so it was a bit dramatic for me. It, there was some drama in it for me. It was, it was really kind of a cool uh, opportunity for me. Um, but at the same time, it, I, I didn't completely feel like I severed ties. I didn't make a commitment to do this or, or that. I just said, it's, I want you in the center. I want you to be what's glorified in my life. And so I look back at this scripture, um, and it says, examine yourselves. And that's why I asked for you to look at yourselves. Examine yourselves. Where did Christ come in? When did Christ come in? Either way, whether you've known him all your life, or you, you had this experience that converted your life, or was it the conversion experience, it's still good. God is there. God is in. Jesus is in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And then it says the test. I, I love... The word that I love this part, the test. Um, if you look back at the scripture, you see it right in the middle there. Um, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. And so, if you're in this room, most likely you pass the test. If you're here right now, on a Sunday, the day after Christmas, you've all come to Christmas Eve services. Uh, you're, I'm probably preaching to the choir right now, as the saying is, but you pa- probably pass the test. But that still doesn't answer the question. What's the test? What's the test? Have you invited Christ in? 
I think that is the test that is here in the scripture. Have you invited him in? That doesn't mean that we're perfect yet. Uh, neither was the church that this scripture was spoken to, uh, the, at the church at Corinth. Um, Paul and Timothy are credited for writing this, this letter to the church at Corinth, and, and it was definitely a, a new church. I did a bit of research looking up um, the history of the church a little bit, and it was, they, were, they were new to the idea of kind of corporate worship stuff. Um, and they were definitely a little bit rough, um, rough around the edges, you might say. They were, they were doing things that uh, we probably would say, hey, I wouldn't even do that outside the church, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But they were definitely rough, and they were new. Maybe, maybe a little like us. The commercial comes to mind, hey, socks and sandals guy, you're one of us. Uh, it just, you know, maybe we were just a little bit like them. Um, I, I don't know where you fall into that category, but I feel like sometimes I'm, I, I hope to feel a little bit new and uh, <clears throat> maybe not so much the rough part of that. But um, if we pass the test and Christ is in us, I want to move to the next place. And, and I, Steve said on, on um, Christmas Eve night, I'm going to make sure that I stay in Three points, because he said a good, I don't know where Steve is, but he said a, a good um, message, a good, a good sermon always has your three points. So I'm going to keep my three points, but one of them has three points. So, ha, okay. We got it. And this is my point with three points. First of all, we, we, have, uh, we have Christ in us. And if Christ is in us, what does that mean for us? I've got three things that I, I, three pieces to this that I think it means for us. And if you look back at verse 17 of chapter 5, we're going to look at that one more time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We, by having Christ in us, we become new. We're kind of back to where we started, right? What are you, new? Well, yeah, we are. we're back to where we began, and that's okay. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about what it is to be new with God. One of the things that I, I get in, um, in the youth group regularly, kids come and talk to me about, hey, I just had somebody last week, in fact, come up and say, hey, I got a new girlfriend. It's, it's kind of funny to hear it that way, but that's what they say. I mean, you, you wouldn't say that, obviously, because you're all married. But, um, <laughs> but the point is that they, they're excited about it. That's something that happens for them. Um, and, and I, you know, sometimes it happens for us too, not maybe quite as often, but um, they come up and they're so excited about this new relationship. They're so excited. Um, they're giddy. You know, it's, it's a fresh new thing. They're, they're super excited about it. And, and I think about my life, and oh man, I, I want to make sure that I, I, I have that with my wife, that, that I get excited and giddy, and we do sometimes when we get to go out on dates every once a year. Um, <clears throat> but we do get an opportunity to do that. And, uh, and, and it's a fresh new experience and exciting that, um, it, that makes it it's so much fun. And to see a student come up, I get reminded of that that relationship, and how it can be new um, all the time. We can make that new a lot, and we can think about that as a new, a new relationship. 
There's another one. Maybe some of you, um, you know, you, you have been married 50 years and you're done with new relationships. And Okay, wait, you can, you can still enjoy your relationship as if it was new. But new life might be one that's, that maybe is more something you can relate to, something that relates to you a little bit better. New life, when I think of our kids being born, it's a miracle, you know, the, the, the mother realizes that well before the father does, most of the time. I won't say always, but I didn't, I, you know, I kind of bummed along and, and said, oh, her belly's so cute, but um, that's kind of all I knew, and every once in a while the baby would move, but it wasn't, it wasn't this miracle, this new thing for me at this point. And, and for the mother, again, for Gretchen, it definitely was way earlier than for me. Um, but it was such a miracle, and then... When the baby is born, it changes your life. New life changes your life. Absolutely does. There's, something changes. When we, when we got Joanna home from, uh, from the midwife that we went to, um, we got her home same day, and uh, <clears throat> I looked at Gretchen, and she looked at me, and we were like, what, are you doing? what do we do now? <laughs> I don't know, change diapers, and I got two weeks off to change them, so... Uh, you know, it was, it was this, things changed. It was a dramatic change in our life. And then, and then we had Elijah, and it was, it was having two kids. And, and there was a big change. And then we, and then we had Samuel, and, and another, that was, you know, this is three kids now. We're, we're, this is, this is I'm, I'm not going to go to, you know, I'm not going to go on vacation with my wife and kid. I'm going with the kids and the family. This is, and then we had Uriah, and it was all born. No, it was amazing because it was one more, one more big change in our life. It was a miracle, and it, every time it changed, and it was a little bit different, but every time it was a new experience for us. Every time there was something new. And... To look at that also, we've, we've also raised our kids slightly differently. Each one has been new based on who they are, who God has created them to be, and how we've changed as parents over the, the months, years that we've had kids as well. New life is, it changes our life. It's amazing. Um, another one that I looked at, that uh, an experience of, of newness in our life that we can have is, is a restored relationship. This one, I, I can't even say it without just feeling a burden lifted off my shoulders. I don't, I don't know if, if you experience the same thing that I do when I, I think about a, a restored relationship, um, but it's refreshing to me. It's, it's a burden lifting kind of a thing. I, I had a, an experience with um, a, a good close friend of mine that was uh, that I, I I had gotten really upset about something that they had done and and probably I was I was in my right to be upset about this but I was so angry it made our relationship have this burden on it that I didn't want to see him I didn't want to talk to him and I didn't want to be around him and so uh, there at some point I said this has got to change. I'm angry about this. I'm going to tell him about this and and we're going to work it out. We're going to make something new out of this. And boy, I'll tell you, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And so we made up this meeting and I and I called him and I said I said, "Listen, I'd like to get together and meet sometime. Could we uh <laughs> I was back on my heels at that point. I was defensive. I didn't I didn't tell him what I was thinking. And so, but I had prepared. I had prepared for about a week for this meeting time that I was going to get together with him. And uh, 
And he showed up at my, at my house, and just before that, I had prayed. And I said, God, let me speak a, what you'd like me to say. It was like this unbelievable change. I asked God to do something in me and not in him. And when my friend got there, we started to talk, and it was the most refreshing um, burden-free conversation that I'd had. We got the points out that we needed to, but God changed my heart and made it new when I talked to him. And I'll tell you what, restored, refreshed, a restored relationship is a, an amazing new thing that happens in our life. Um, Paul moves on. If you look at verse uh, 16, in, in the same scripture, just back up one, one verse there from 17 to 16. So from now on, we regard, one, we regard no one from a worldly standpoint or a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Even Paul in this statement, he doesn't say it flat out, hey, I changed. But he's explaining something has changed in me and I don't regard people nor... Christ Jesus from a worldly perspective, from a worldly standpoint, any longer. He's changed. Some of us used to regard uh, Christ from a worldly standpoint. Um, maybe there's some worldly in us still that does that. Um, we, we don't understand. It's the, this foolishness of God or the wisdom of God is like foolishness to men. We, we don't understand Jesus. It's foolishness. But Paul was changed and he said, now I understand. When we're changed, we don't regard the foolishness or, excuse me, the wisdom of God as foolishness any longer. We, we take it for the wisdom. Although we don't understand everything, we understand a little bit more about God when we have Christ in us and we've changed. Um, what changed in you when you became a Christian? I'm telling lots of stories about myself, but I want you to just maybe, maybe it'll bring up some nostalgic things in you that you, you'll remember what changed in you. Maybe things are still changing and that's the hope, but what changed in you um, when you met Christ? When I met Christ, like I said, there was, there was no bells and whistles, no explosion, no big thing like that, but I do remember distinctly coming home on Monday and going to school and my mouth had changed. I was, uh, I was a sophomore in high school, and when I was in middle school, my, I had a foul, foul mouth. My parents, I don't think, knew that so much because it was somebody, somebody said I knew that. I don't know who it was. James, was that you? Oh, get so in trouble. So I, but I had a foul mouth and a quick wit. And so um, I would say things that would get me in trouble often to teachers, to other students, um, in places that I shouldn't have said. But that Monday when I came back from that camp, after I had committed my life to Christ, I didn't ask Christ to change my mouth, but my mouth was changed. Those words stopped coming out of my mouth. I started using words like stink. Um, and maybe for some of you, that's still, still a cuss word. I don't know where you stand on that. But, but my, the words changed. I didn't use those words anymore. People started to ask me, especially my family, my, well, I didn't hear it so much, but they noticed a change. And my, my mom had told me this later, but she noticed a change in me after this time had happened um, and after Christ had come in. 
there was, there was, I was starting to treat my family better. I started to treat them better, my parents, and especially my little sister. We used to fight like cats and dogs, and, well, we still do, but not to the extreme. No. <clears throat> but there, is, there, is, uh, there was a huge change in me in those things. And, and again, I, I didn't necessarily ask God to do those things specifically, other than that he would be glorified by what I do. So um, the three things, that's number one of the three things that happen when Christ comes in, or at least that I see. Number one is that um, we, are, we become a new creation. Number two is, and I'm going to have you flip, your, flip in your Bibles. We're going to stay in Corinthians, but we're going to move to 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 3.16, you'll all remember it because of the other famous verse. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. God's temple is sacred, and you are are that temple. Another thing that happens when Christ comes in, whether you like it or not, you are the temple. It's not the building that's the important part. And it's a good thing because we are, this building is falling apart in places. There's leaks that some of you don't know about, some of you do. Um, <clears throat> the build, what, I don't know what that says about our spiritual life. What if we're leaking? Or, no, okay. Um, but we are, you are the important part. We are the important part, not the church building, not the building at all. Um, and in fact, there's, we have students that come to the church. There was a, a few students that came, um, maybe like, I can't remember the exact dates, but it, I think it was last year, and, and, they, and they showed up, and, and they, they had some pretty fun words coming out of their mouths, some that I hadn't heard in a long time. Um, and they were saying them at church, and I say fun, I don't really mean that. Um, but they would, say, they would say this word, and I would say, hey, did you just say blank at church? And I would say the word back to them. And, and their response, when, when kids do this, I do this a lot with students, but um, their response is, uh, sorry, I, yeah, I didn't think about that. And... <clears throat> I'm going to get into this a little bit deeper. Some of them will say, well, so did you. And uh, <clears throat> my point is, my point is in this, when I tell them that, that it's, it's, why would it be any different when you're not at church? You don't get struck down with lightning because you're in the sanctuary and you say a cuss word. Well, I don't think so anyway. <clears throat> I've never tried it, and I don't think you should. But at the same, why would we be, why would we do that outside? Why would... Anything, you know, um, anytime we say something like that, or have, have you heard people say, hey, you can't do that at church, or hey, you can't say that at church, or, or I don't think you should wear that to church, uh, <clears throat> whatever those things are, I want to change that. Now, I know that there's a respect issue in the body. I realize that there's, we're respecting the, the body of believers, and so, and that's good, and we respect God as well, but should we really regard the sanctuary or this church building differently than we should regard our own self? I think, we, I think we should, but in a way that we are the sacred temple, not the building. We are the ones we should be worried about. 
And, uh, and so I think I'm going to start saying to people, in, instead of, um, hey, you can't do that at church, I'm going to say, hey, you can't do that in your body. That's the temple of God's. That's God's temple. You can't do that. And so it's not the building that matters. We need to think about that, that the building is not the important part. You are. And so there's the second thing. You become the temple. When Christ comes in, you're new, a new creation. We become the temple. Um, the last one is, uh, is a little bit shorter. We are reconciled to God. If you'll move back to page, uh, excuse me, to verse 5, second, first, second Corinthians, sorry, I'll get it right here. 2 Corinthians 5.17 again. And actually, we're going to move to 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us this ministry. What, it, what is it to be um, reconciled? It's a forever changed relationship. To be reconciled, a forever changed relationship. God, Jesus, when he was here on earth, told stories called parables. I'm sure you are familiar with that. And the parable of the prodigal son is one that maybe you all know, but I'm going to refresh your minds on it. There was a son who came to his father and, and said, I want my inheritance now. I, I don't want to wait for you to die. Jesus is again telling this story. Um, and, and the father says, okay, you can have your inheritance now. And, uh, and, I mean, just like it would be today, it, was a, it would have been a complete slap in the face of someone to say, you're not dead yet, I want my inheritance. Uh, just, you, you can't, we wouldn't do that. And so, um, this would be a horrible thing to do to a father, but he did it in the story. And, and he goes and he spends all that he gets on wild living, and he ends up being in this terrible place where he's, you know, he's um, feeding the pigs, and he wants to eat what he's feeding the pigs because he doesn't have anything. And he thinks, wait, my father has abundant resources. Why don't I go back? So he decides and he makes up this plan in his mind. I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask my father just to bring me on as one of his hired men. Just make me a hired man. I don't, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. And, uh, and I'm no longer worthy, worthy to be called your son. And we, we know the story that while he's preparing this message and, and coming back to the father, the father is watching and waiting and he sees him far off and he goes running to him and he hugs him he throws his arms around him and he says my son has come back and there's there's this broken relationship that has been healed we are that prodigal son coming back to the father we are reconciled to god and because and we're going to move on to the ministry of reconciliation this is my third point uh, of the actual three points, not the third point of the one before. My third point is the ministry of reconciliation has been passed on to us. It's been given to us. We are the new creation. Christ is in us. We're the new creation. We are the temple of Christ, and we have been reconciled to God the Father. Therefore, it is our job to show people that we have been reconciled to God that we are the temple, and that we're a new creation. I had one experience in my life when somebody told me that uh, there was something different about me, and it was in a good way. And I, I, was, uh, <clears throat> I was with a friend, and we were at this, this banquet thing, and, and somebody had said, and it was, it was not to me directly, but somebody had said through somebody else, hey, what's different about that person? 
And they had recognized something of God in me. It definitely wasn't me. It was God in me. And they said, what's different about that person? What's different about you now that you're in Christ Jesus? What is God changing in you? We are to show people that we are new, and they can be too. We are to show people that we are the temple, and they can be too, and that they can be reconciled to God, not to us. This scripture is not about when it says to be reconciled or have the ministry of reconciliation. It's not about reconciling people to other people or people back to us. It's about us helping others to be reconciled to God, to see that. Not that reconciling each other to each other is a bad thing, but that's not the point here. It's that we would show people how to be reconciled to God. Um, If you look back at the very beginning, I read this first part of the scripture, um, verse 13, for a purpose. It says, if we're out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, then it is for you. Hey, I see that and I think, hey, you know what? If I'm crazy, well, then I'm doing it because I'm new in God. God's doing something new in me. If I'm crazy, you might not understand it, but I'm doing something new in God. And that's between God and I. If I'm sensible, it's because I'm doing something new in God. I'm new in God. And maybe you are too if you understand the sensibility of what's being spoken. I hope this year will bring something new in God for you, to you. I hope that God will move in you and these scriptures will penetrate your heart and we will have a, recon- a ministry of reconciliation to bring people to God just by how we act that we would show people that we are a new creation, that we are the temple, and that we have been reconciled to God. I have a video to show you just to end the service, and I'm going to explain just a little bit about what to do at the end. Um, I went to a church a few, um, few weeks ago. I had vacation, and I got to go, to, to go spy at another church. And uh, while I was there, uh, they did something that I just really thought was powerful and, and maybe profound, um, I would love for you to, at the end of the message, at the end of the video, there's some slides that kind of ask some questions and direct you, but what I'm going to suggest is that you take a moment just to ponder the word, maybe not my words, but definitely God's words, and if you look at the scripture, that's okay, but ponder what has been spoken today and what God is 